Hi, this is Alan Ruff, the Thursday host of A Public Affair. If you have a moment and uh, the resources, remember to support the station. And if you will, head over to wrtfm.org to donate and to see what else is going on at the station. And good afternoon. Welcome to this, the Thanksgiving Day special edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. Listen to the words of Mark Twain, written in 1905. Twain said, Thanksgiving Giving Day, a function which originated in New England two or three centuries ago, when those people recognized that they really had something to be thankful for, actually not oftener, if they had succeeded in exterminating their neighbors, the Indians, during the previous 12 months, instead of getting exterminated by their neighbors, the Indians. Thanksgiving Day became a habit for the reason that in the course of time, as the years drifted on, it was perceived that the exterminating had ceased to be mutual. It was all on the white man's side, consequently on the Lord's side. Consequently, it was proper to thank the Lord for it. That's Mark Twain, 1905. As part of what has become some sort of Thanksgiving ritual, my guest this hour is Will Williams, a familiar voice to many of you regular WRT listeners, a Vietnam combat veteran who went on to become a noted veteran for peace and sanity. Will is joining us today as he has done so for what? What is it, Will, last 12 years, 15 years or more? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Now, the first... Uh, excuse me, before getting into whatever Will would like to talk, take up this freewheeling hour, I thought I'd provide some context. The first official Thanksgiving came 16 years after the Puritans' first winter, when Massachusetts Bay Governor William Bradford designated, quote, a day of Thanksgiving to be kept in all the churches for our victories against the Pequots. Bradford was referencing what became known as the Pequot Massacre, which took place on May 26, 1637. It capped nearly four years of skirmishes between the Pequot Nation, a tribe of approximately 8,000 spread across present-day Connecticut, and a coalition of four early English colonies and allied indigenous rivals of the Pequot. On that day in 1637, a group of several hundred including a contingent of Narragansett and Mohegan uh, pilgrim allies, surrounded the Pequot settlement at modern-day Mystic, Connecticut. Just before dawn, they attacked, and after being repelled by the inhabitants, they decided that instead of taking the village, they would simply burn it down. The men set some 80 dwellings with roughly 800 inhabitants on fire and gunned or cut down many of those who tried to escape the flames. In the aftermath of the attack, survivors were hunted down and slain or sold into slavery in what amounted to the ethnic cleansing of the tribe and an opening up of land for increased settler colonists. The English even went so far as to outlaw the name Pequot. Years after the massacre, 
Pilgrim leader, the Reverend Increase Mather, asked his con- congregation to cel- celebrate the victory and thank God that, quote, on this day we have sent 600 heathen souls to hell. Our, for decades after, annual religious ceremonies and Thanksgiving fast days were dedicated to the massacre's memory. Thanksgiving was made an official federal holiday in 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. Less than a year after he authorized what remains to this day the nation's largest ever mass execution, the hanging of 38 Sioux men in in Mankato, Minnesota, in December of 1862. All along, there's been those who have looked to introduce correctives to the dominant Thanksgiving mythologies and social amnesia. As I read this, for instance, the 53rd annual National Day of Mourning, a gathering of indigenous peoples and allies organized by the United Native American Indian Indians of New England, is taking place around Coles Hill, overlooking Plymouth Rock at Plymouth Mass, a ceremony of remembrance and protest against the racism and oppression that indigenous people continue to experience worldwide. Will, Will Williams, once again, I find myself wondering what you were thinking about today, what you're thinking about today. This is a day that was originally set aside as a day of national reflection, not a festive celebration. Knowing you as I do, I I imagine you've been reflecting about all sorts of concerns and issues What's on your mind today? What are you thinking about? Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, my brain is rambling, and as you said, they were trying to erase that history. When you look forward to the day, they're still doing the same thing, calling it critical thinking, that they don't want taught in the schools. So really, it hasn't been a lot changed uh, since those times. Uh, in this country, we made progress, but we're not where we should be. And things that are happening today is solid proof that we haven't reached that point. Take that a little bit further. Uh, things that we're seeing today, such as what? Such as the uh, whitewash, the supposedly whitewashing of history. You can't teach about the history of the indigenous people. You can't teach about the history of blacks, of slavery. Anything that puts a dark shadow on this country, uh, the Republican group is trying to outlaw it, uh, ban it. You know, you you can't teach. You can't even teach uh, Mark Twain. You know, so they're trying to get the schools to change the way they teach where the students will only learn the whitewashed history that supposedly make this country great. You know, you mentioned Twain. I started with Twain uh, looking for material for the program today. I came across another Mark Twain quote, so I'm glad you raised his name again. Twain uh, said, oh, this is 1897 in, in a book, a kind of sort of critical travelogue he did called Following the Equator, 1897. Uh, he wrote that, <clears throat> excuse me, the observance of Thanksgiving Day as a function has become general of late years. 
the thankfulness not so general. This is natural. After all, two-thirds of the nation uh, has always had the, <coughs> excuse me, has hard, had hard luck in a hard time during the year. And, and this has a calming effect upon their enthusiasm. So, yeah, he's talking, we're talking about race, but also uh, Twain in his way was raising the issue of class, that there's lots of people then. Of course, that was during the middle of a severe, severe depression, one of the deepest in the U.S. history. Um, but a lot of people up against it now with, with all the inflation and the cost of everything going up uh, while people on fixed incomes take it on the year. Yeah, Bob, I agree with that, Alan. The, for this predatory capitalism system we have, in order to have it, we have to have, you have to have class. you got to have the have and the have-nots. So that that's what it's been, and that's what it'll always be, unless people use the power they have to change it. You know, Thanksgiving, of course, remains the most treasured U.S. holiday, honored by the White House since Lincoln initiated the holiday to, uh, in part to rouse Northern patriotism during the Civil War that was not going well for the Union uh, Army at the time. Thanksgiving has often had several served, excuse me, political ends. One I came across just, just recently that uh, I think says it so much. Yeah, in, two, in 2003, President George B Bush flew to ba Baghdad, Iraq, to celebrate Thanksgiving Day with U.S. troops who had recently invaded the country. He sought to rally the public behind the invasion based on a, a pack of lies, really. A host of press photographers snapped him carrying a glazed turkey to eager soldiers. He was in the country for three hours and then flew home. Uh, but the TV brought his act of solidarity and generosity to millions of U.S. living rooms. But it turns out the turkey uh, Bush carried to Baghdad was never eaten. Actually, it was cardboard, lacquered cardboard, a stage prop. And I think at some level that says it all. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, you know, thinking, Alan, back over the years, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, and I am thankful and grateful. Uh, and I think about the two of us, like we lost our soulmates, uh, me nine months ago, and you just a month or so ago. And I find myself giving thanks for the time that I had with my my spouse, 57 years, you know, a long time. So, you know, it, 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 it make me understand more of the things that we take for granted, uh, how we miss them. So. You're listening to peace activist, Vietnam War veteran, um, one of my friends, Will Williams. Give us a call at 256-2001, extension 9, if you want to join with a comment, an observation, 
What does Thanksgiving mean to you? What are you doing today uh, to observe, to celebrate uh, whatever you may? Give us a call, 256-2001. You know, Will, as part of the Thanksgiving ritual each year, there's a ceremony at the White House where the president comes out and grants a pardon to two turkeys, sparing them from the chopping block and, and the oven. You know, <clears throat> I've, found my <clears throat> I've often found myself... <clears throat> boy, what's happening with me this morning? Found myself wondering about the irony, some grand metaphor, perhaps, regarding the fact that the two reprieved birds happen to be white. Of course, today all commercial turkeys are white, their original color genetically eliminated. But the thought has often crossed my mind. Has it ever crossed yours? Uh, the, 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 these two white prisoners, if you will, <laughs> destined for the chopping block, uh, gaining a reprieve, a pardon from the President of the United States. Yeah, it crossed it, and 45 pardoned many more turkeys that, that were white. But you know, when 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 I think about it, it go back to that old saying we used to have in the South: "If you're white, you're right. White is pure." So that's part of the thinking that many people cannot understand nor relate to others different than them themselves. So. You know, it's, it, it, it makes sense why the Turkeys are white, because that's what this country was actually founded on, that superiority uh, complex. You know, and of course, it gets right to the nub of, of, of the whole, well, of white supremacy. Uh, I said, you know, in some ways you could think about those turkeys as, as a grand, grand metaphor uh, for what we're living in. But the white supremacy, of course, uh, part of the, the the dominant ideology of well of racism tails all the way back to the defining of those uh, the millions really of uh, indigenous people uh, that were slaughtered based upon a justification of of, uh, of a religious justification too often of supremacy of mission of after all the uh, Puritans the Pilgrims. Uh, saw themselves as being on on a mission ordained by God, uh, a mission of a city on a hill to represent the rest of the world, a, f- a lodestone, a foundation of American exceptionalism as a beacon to the world. Um, but as you said before, uh, if you're white, you're right. Give us a call, 256-2001. Um, we have plenty of time in this hour and um, we're interested, Will and I are interested in your reflections as well, uh, your thoughts on, on, on the day uh, and the weekend and this national day of, that has turned into a, well, a festival of consumption rather than reflection. Again, 256-2001, uh, extension 9. You, you know, Alan, I uh, often wonder how this country would have been if it was founded on more principles, uh, if the people 
had decided to assimilate rather than annihilate and commit genocide on people for no reason other than they weren't white. Well, well, certainly, Will, it's, you know, I would argue, of course, that it's uh, far different or far more complex than that. That is, it, well, that whiteness, that what the creation of the white republic uh, that's still very much with us is, you know, certainly, certainly a, a major part of it all. Uh, but that was an ideology that came to justify uh, territorial expansion, uh, growth and, and destruction. Well, now more and more evident, a uh, destruction of an environment that that has its limits. Um, <clears throat> And, and so much more, a justification for war and militarism and expansionism. Talk about, you know, I want to see if I can dredge out a little bit here, Will, how how that experience in, in the military as, as a combat uh, combatant, really, in the thick of it, uh, has shaped who you are and, and your road to becoming a veteran for peace. Yep, I was uh, not duped like many uh, veterans are that went into war believing that I owed this to the country. It was my patriotic duty. I went to get out of Mississippi, the place where I was born, because uh, my ideas and the way I acted uh, during those times would have been detrimental to my health because I didn't bow to no one. I didn't cross the street. I didn't take crap from from the people in Mississippi that was making it impossible for people of color to to, to live, I, I, I'll say, I always say that in Mississippi during those times, we survived, we didn't live. And I knew that had I stayed there, that I probably would have been a statistic, probably would have been lynched or shot or something because I would not uh, bow to the ways of Jim Crow. So that was an experience for me. Uh, to live that, then going into Vietnam, I found myself early on uh, calling the Vietnamese people derogatory names, you know, and it took me a while to figure out that I was no different from the people that called me names, you know, in the way I was thinking and what I was doing. So after a while, I've, I've realized uh, that the war was unjust, that it was based on on lies, as every war that I've seen since then have been. But it made me a better person because through that, I felt the pain of the people in Vietnam, the survivors of what we did as American soldiers, and it made me appreciate uh, the life of all people and all things. So.
so it was it was a great history that really shaped the way I think now and who I am now. If that that answers get to what you were trying to draw. Actually, actually, I want to take it a little deeper because you you didn't come to full consciousness overnight. There was an evolution, a development. Uh, at some level, you remained a, a believer in the cause for for some time. I, you know, in conversations we've had over the years, you talked about how you did your first tour and came home and then re-upped, that is, re- re-enlisted for another tour in, in the war um, because you were disgruntled with, didn't like what you were seeing here in terms of the anti-war movement and so on. Right. Uh well, I had done three years in Germany, my first tour, and I wasn't aware of anything that was going on in the States or let alone Vietnam. So I jumped at the chance to re-enlist for the little money you get for those six years, and you could also get your duty assignment, whatever assignment you wanted, they would try to try to get you there. So I did, took the six years because I wanted to go to Hawaii. I read about it and wanted to see it. And also I got $1,105 for six years of my life, what they call the reenlistment bonus. So I jumped at it and, and, and did it. And I find myself in a situation when I went to Vietnam that I had six years to do. I re-enlisted in 1965, and on January 4th, 3rd, we left Hawaii going to Vietnam uh, following the lies that uh, had been told in August of 1964 about the Tonkin Gulf incident. Uh, the build-up was happening to send, escalate in Vietnam, and the unit I was with, the 25th Division, was uh, scheduled to go. So that's how I ended up doing it. And the reason I went was because of the contract that I had with the military and because of my being ignorant to what this war was really about. And when I came back after my first tour and encountered protesters in uh, California, uh, Haight Ashbury, uh, I was torn, didn't understand, and became angry. And I knew that had I stayed there in that situation, that I would be violent. Uh, probably take some people out because that's what I was taught to do in uh, basic training. So I put in a 1049 to go back to Vietnam to get away from this situation. And then, so talk, take it further. Talk about your evolution. That is, uh, talk about the significance of, of 2011. Okay. Well, after uh, I came back from my second tour uh, in Vietnam, uh, Daniel Ellsberg had released the Pentagon Papers, 
and I started learning more about how this country operates. So I began to feel the really hateful toward this government as a whole and the way it was operating. So the more I read, the more I learned, and the more I wanted to be a part of something to try to change the course this country was on. And in 1992, I believe it was during uh, the run-up to Desert Storm, I uh, joined uh, Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice, trying trying to find a place where I fit, where people were on the same page I was as far as my ideals and what I believed. So I became a member of WNPJ and tried to speak out during those times, but it caused me a lot of problems because I was having PTSD uh, bouts real bad. And my psychiatrist at the VA told me to stop uh, protesting, stop thinking about war, don't watch the TV, you know, uh, in a, the violence. So it shut me down for another 10, ten years, almost, or nine years. In 2001, I saw what was happening after the planes went into the towers and feeling the way people were thinking in this country uh, about what had happened. And in my mind, I felt like the chickens had just come home to roost, that America had been harming people throughout the world because they were insulated by the oceans and felt they were untouchable. And with uh, not a lot of high-tech machinery, uh, that bubble was burst, burst. So as I saw the ticker tapes and listened to the pundits talking about how bad September 11 was, you know, it was the biggest catastrophe since Pearl Harbor, you know, and I said at that time, no, I say September 11 is my birthday, so I'm going to start back protesting and start back working for peace and nothing will stop me this time. So that's how I joined uh, various groups that are working for peace. Yeah, I uh, aired before, double thinking or whatever, I said 2011, of course it wasn't. It was September 11th of 2001. Jay tells me that we have a caller that wants to join with a comment, a question, an observation. Hello, John, you're on the air. Yes, hello, uh, Alan. Well, I wondered if, uh, I mean, I'm concerned that people just aren't aware of, of what the meaning of Thanksgiving is. Of course, you've thoroughly discussed it now, but the general population, I don't think, has a clue. But uh, I wondered if an entry point might be uh, looking at the genocide activity of the Nazis and Hitler specifically, uh, 
him taking cues from our treatment of, of indigenous people here. And that's very well established information historically. Uh, if that would perhaps be a, an entry point for some people to start looking at this situation. Will, any thoughts on that? No, not right at all. You know, I have to observe, of course, that it's well documented that um, both, you know, people implementing what became known as the Nuremberg Laws in in Germany and uh, a bit later on, uh, experts from South Africa came to the U.S. South to uh, observe and see how it was being done in the United States in the Jim Crow South. That's a, a well-documented history. Um, I hesitate in drawing kind of strict parallels uh, or equivalencies, uh, but certainly, uh, after all, all the imperial powers had racist ideologies they had to have in order to, uh, uh, in their push to dominate uh, what's commonly referred to it today as, as the global south. So everyone did it, meaning the imperial powers did it, whether it be Britain or whether it be France, whether it be Holland, uh, and so on and so forth. The defining of of, of a swath, a, a huge swath of humanity as being somehow uh, inferior comes hand in glove with global expansion, and global expansion is inextricably tied to militarism and war. Two five six two thousand and one uh, extension number nine. Again, if you want to join us uh, with a question, a comment, 256-608-256-2001, extension 9. Will Williams, you alluded to what Thanksgiving has become, this kind of uh, interwoven with a kind of historical amnesia, uh, a kind of festival of consumption, mass consumption. Uh, and of course, it's capped off by the ever expanding in time, the sales orgy uh, that uh, has become to us known as Black Friday. We talked about white turkeys. What's up with Black Friday? <laughs> That's the day when black is good. <laughs> That's the day that the society uh, economically try to get out of the red, you know, they make the money. And too many people get hung up on that. Uh, they consume things or buy things that they don't need. And it, it it's all the, the, the same thing, not just for Thanksgiving, but Christmas, almost every holiday is, 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 is the same. It's for making the money the day after, or the leading up to it, you know. Where be, before Halloween is over, you see the Thanksgiving material put out and stuff even for Christmas. So it's all about the bang of the buck and tricking people into spending the money they don't have. Again, 608-256-2001, uh, extension 9. 
Let's talk about uh, the current climate. Now, we could talk, of course, about the actual uh, meteorological climate, what's going on on this planet, uh, but certainly the political and social climate uh, um, bodes ominous for, well, for our futures, for the futures of our, of our kids, uh, and so on. What are the biggies for you, Will? shaped the countries and uh, economically and how misinformation and blatant lies uh, still control how many people vote. Uh, They're unaware of what's really happening. So they'll sit and watch TV or get the uh, robocalls that this is the person to vote for, and I'll name one if I can, Ron Johnson. I can't see how people can continue to put that person in office when, to me, he hasn't done a thing to help the people in this state. But because of disinformation and the control of the two parties, that this is what we have to to live with or survive with. You know, I watched um, <clears throat> over a period of time. I watched the campaign commercials for uh, for Johnson uh, and Michaels, and initially I said I was saying to people, the veiled racism of these commercials of these campaign ads is astounding. And then I realized, veiled hell, <laughs> you know, yeah. ve- veiled. Uh, it became so blatant, so nasty. Um, and at some level, you know, and then the then, then the response of, of of the Democrats of the, uh, you know, was they didn't address it. They didn't take it up. They didn't say, hey, this is racist noise. Uh, and, and that kind of, uh, well, it didn't surprise me very much. Six zero eight two five six two thousand and one. Yeah, it wasn't just the Democrats didn't take it up. The media personnel, the, the pundits didn't take it up. They didn't call them on them or corrected them when they knew that they were lying. And you know they dress it up by using another word, uh, disinformation or something, but. You know, it's it's a blatant lie. So I'm saying if you tell one, you know, get called on it. And don't sugarcoat the words you use to inform the people that it it, it is or it was a lie. I'm, I'm still curious to hear from uh, listeners out there. I, I know lots of people are away from the radio preparing for the day or already celebrating or... Uh, you know, doing what you got to do with your family and friends and loved ones. Uh, but again, if you're listening, give us a call at 025-608-256-2001, uh, extension 9. What are you doing today? Are you just bunk- hunkering down, bunkering down? Uh, what do you, How do you celebrate or, or carry on the day? Uh, what do you think is important about the day? And, Certainly, Will Williams, my guest today, and I have our opinions, uh, but we're interested as well to hear from you, 608-256-2001, extension 9. 
extension number nine. So, Will, we got a bit of time left here, and uh, and I'm wondering what else you're thinking about. Just thinking about uh, being with family, not because it's to celebrate this day, but it's a day that I'm thankful that I'm still here and they're still here to spend a little time together and reflect on our past, on the years that that we've had, you know. So, so reflect on that, if you would, if, if you can share a little bit of that with our with our listeners, uh, reflecting on that past, what comes to mind? Of how uh, much it it it's it's changed. This day has changed the the meaning for 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 our family. Uh, like uh, it's not a day that they celebrate. You know, because of the myth of the horn of plenty, but it's a day that all the grandkids are off work and they can come together to give thanks just for being able to survive uh, in this world at these times and to spend time with our close family uh, rather than look at it as... uh, that big feast that 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 was had uh, with the indigenous people, uh, and you know the the joke. Uh, we we are over the joke. We we understand, and the grandkids understand what Thanksgiving really is, uh, what it was, and what it really is today. So. I look forward to sitting and breaking bread with them and discussing, you know, Thanksgiving, the the, the real meaning of Thanksgiving. Will, Jade tells tells me that we do have another caller with uh, an observation, a question, a comment, and it's another John. John, hi, you're on the air. Hi to the two of you. Hey, I just want to say I'm thankful for my longtime soulmate, Patty, 54 years. Sorry to hear about your mate's passing. I'm thankful to know the two of you. Alan, thanks for all the knowledge you spread over the airways. And Will, just all that you share, including the interview with my daughter quite a while ago that won her a scholarship to the university and just glad to know you guys also I'm thankful there was a recent movie in the mainstream about Smedley Butler maybe you can talk about Smedley but again thanks to both of you well you're welcome thank you John Smedley Butler thank you yeah war is a racket Yep, that's for sure. Most highly decorated Marine uh, Medal of uh, what? How many Medals of Honor did he get? Uh, Numerous. And uh, you know, turned around and realized what he was a hired gun for corporations in in Central America uh, and so on. Interestingly, you know, Smedley Butler. Uh, there was an attempt to re- recruit him by 
U.S. fascists, outright fascists, that wanted to wage a, bring a coup d'etat against Franklin Roosevelt, and he didn't go along, and he revealed it, and that's a, a little told story about Smedley Butler. As is so often the uh, f- the reality here, suddenly the lines are lining up with with few minutes left in the hour, so I want to get people in. Hello, Thomas, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Uh, nice to talk to you, and Will. Yeah, my question is uh, what's happening with the uh, scream right with the Oath Keepers and that that is really tearing down this country, and I'd like you to comment on this, Alan, because I think this is getting worse all the time because not only do they have all the media that they want, especially with uh, uh, Facebook and uh, TikTok and everything else. So uh, I think that we have to worry about that, that they don't get to the point where we are really in deep trouble if they get any power through the Republican Party. And I'll hang up and listen to your answer, and thank you for the program, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Thomas. I'll just very quickly say that I, I view those formations as part of it, well, as an international phenomenon, primarily because the, the major, you know, the major powers, the major empires, the major capitalist powers, uh, have have crises in their midst, and the right, the far right, breeds on crises. Why? By recruiting through the big lie the falsification of history, uh, racism and white supremacy, and so on. At some level, it's uh, it's very old. People think it's a new phenomena, and uh, many of these formations will go by the fall by the wayside. Uh, but it also means that we have to uh, be vigilant, organize, uh, and take up the struggle against them. So that's you know, in a nutshell. Uh, <coughs> will any thoughts? All right, we're going to continue on. We do. Pat, Pat is on the line. Hi, Pat. You're on the air. Yes, thanks. This is a terrific program. Thank you to both of you. Will, thank you. Uh, you know, you brought up 9/11. I was thinking. There's a great daily email by Heather Cox Richardson that went through the actual history of Thanksgiving, and uh, there really was a passing of a meal between Indigenous people, and it was about, you know, the the killing of indigenous people and they were trying to stop it. And, and then <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln actually uh, started Thanksgiving to recognize uh, the oppression of, of African-American people and the killing of soldiers to try to stop that. And I don't think people really know that history. And I, I think it's really important to recognize that it really is about the oppression of of people and Abraham Lincoln was trying to help people say that uh, he was thankful to the people that stepped up and gave their lives to stop the oppression of of black and brown people. So um, that's what this day really means, and we're thankful that people are willing to give their lives, people like you, uh, to speak up against that. And so I want to thank you both for this program, recognizing that. Well, thank you, caller. Uh, how many more? JW, we have one. Uh, hi, Bert, you're on the air. Hey, Alan. Hi, Will. You know, I was just calling to say thank you. I got nothing to add. I love this conversation. I think it highlights just 
how grateful we all should be to have people like you, you two in our community and as, and as brothers and comrades in the struggle for social justice. And you have a great program, and I just called to tell you that. Well, Bert, thank you ever so much. I, uh, you know, you, f- you, you filled in for me all those weeks, and uh, I, thanks. I tried not to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, um, I love this tradition of you two guys talking. You know, there's certain people you talk, you listen to, and you're smarter and you're better because of it. And, and we all know there's other people, when you listen to them, it feels like you've got IQ points evaporating out of your skull. Um, but with you two, it's, it's, it's really a treasure, so thank you. You know, I also want to uh, give the shout out here to the people that aren't on the air that make WRT yes. what it is. Jade, I've mentioned yes. several times here, engineering this hour. Yep. Uh, Shali, our news and public affairs director, uh, sitting yep. in a skeletal crew here on Thanksgiving. But wait. Yeah, but no, Jade's on the board, and uh, oh, Jade's on the board. All yeah, right. yeah, but it, but again, it's it's a collective ef- effort, uh, and that gets back to the previous caller uh, about you know uh, the move the move of the right. If we don't organize collectively, right, no individual can fight this monster. Uh, and and one of the functions, as I see it anyway, of this station is as an outlet, a, a clarion, a, a loudspeaker, a voice. Uh, in opposition on so many, many levels. And, uh, gee, we should be doing a funding pitch right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny when I think back over my 42 years here in Madison, and people will ask me, how do you know this? You know, I'll, I'll say something. How do you know that? How, how do you know about this? How did you get involved in that? And WRT basically is in most of those stories where, um, and, and this hour highlights that. I mean, we, we learn, we teach, we share, and collectively we're better. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Bert Zipper, uh, sometime host, longtime Madison activist. You know, I was sorting things in the closet the other day, Bert Zipper, and I came across a <laughs> Bert Zipper for mail, for mayor, excuse me, <laughs> Bert Zipper for mayor, a T-shirt from when was that? Nineteen what? Eighty-six. Oh, for mayor. Yeah. 2003. Oh, so, so yeah, I forgot you're not as old as we, as we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm that young, uh, late 60s sort of guy. Yeah. So uh, here here it's become uh, the Bird Zipper program. Uh, where's Will Williams on all of this? So, yeah. Thoughts, Will? Uh, deep thought. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's great. This, this program... Uh, Awakened me to a lot. WRT, I'll say, instead of the program, I learned a lot from it, and it caused me to get involved in a lot more. So it's a program that should happen. The only bad thing about it, one hour is not enough time for Alan to really get across what he what he's doing. He should be allocated more time. Here, 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 here. <laughs> Will well, Williams, I, I the the caveat, Will Williams, is that I, I don't know what it would take to prepare for two hours or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, we got a few few more minutes. Jay, do we have anyone else online? No, we don't. So, you know, you can still we can still squeeze someone in if you want to give us a call at two five six two thousand and one. 
uh, all these all these paid political endorsements were not were not paid. So uh, I thank you callers for uh, the compliments. And uh, sometimes I sit here behind the microphone on a Thursday and, and think, is anybody out there listening? Are they hearing what's going on here? Uh, but clearly people are, and that, that does my heart good. Well, some that's what it's all about. Yeah, we got to uh, start heading toward a wrap. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? What have we missed? Uh, how do you want to sum up? Yep, I I want people to really think about what Thanksgiving should be about, and to act accordingly uh, to understand and believe to foresee the many things, reasons they have to be thankful and instead of waiting until something happened and and you realize like the old blues song, you don't miss your water till the well run dry, that there are so many things that we take for granted in life that we should be thankful for, not just on this day in November, but for every day that we wake up, you know, is the is a thankful day, and we we shouldn't forget that, and should appreciate it more. That no matter how tough things are, that there are things that allow you to exist, and you should be thankful for it. You know, will every day. Will you just said a phrase that uh, you know could pop us into that extra hour? That is when we wake up. Um, yes. Part of part of the function, of course, of what we do here and what we do in our daily lives always has to swirl around waking up. You know, yeah. There's that encarant uh, uh, phrase woke. Well. Yeah. Wake up, folks! It's. Uh, yeah. Get woke. <laughs> Get woke. And you'll do the right thing when well, look, you do. Well, look, we're going to head toward a wrap here. I want to, Will, uh, thank you ever so much for, I'm going to say, 15 years of this program. Uh, where's it go, huh? The, um, and, you know, taking the time with, with me and with the station uh, to, uh, well, to lay it out from where you sit. And I want to thank you, my dear friend, for joining joining those of us at WRT once again on this Thanksgiving Day. I want to thank Jade, who's become indispensable for me. Thank you, Jade. Uh, and Shally, who's also indispensable for me. We can't do what we do without, as I said before, the people in the background who you don't hear on mic. I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. I'm going to be off next week once again, but then I'll come back full force. Um, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, get up and ride, they say. Get up again and ride. So, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Whatever you do today, thank you. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight. Straight from the base, deep down, low precision. High crime treason, we broadcast in sedition. Like the Wall Street morning, afternoon edition. Commandeering airwaves from unknown positions. Locking